I think if you would ask 10 different people what burlesque means, I think you would get 12 different answers. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, if you want my definition, it's I, I like to describe burlesque as the grandmother of striptease. <laughs> the emphasis is more on the tease than on the strip. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! Oh yeah! It's Christmas! Now we have to do it in front of the microphone. Cheers! Okay. Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas! That's how we're gonna start. From the 4000 Hertz headquarters in Berlin, Germany, this is Walrus and Otter taking on... I give you the flirtatious, the vivacious, the sexy, the camp, the abominable, the phenomenal, the brilliantly cheeky world of... Berlin! <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, what, what are we doing? Um... I, I feel like I'm not totally part of this, what you're doing here. Walrus, this week I'm going to take you on a journey through the world of burlesque did, in Berlin. Did we talk about this? Uh, uh, briefly. Where does this come from? Well, I, I, I just thought it'd be a really interesting topic. Why? Are you are you a prude? No, I'm not, I'm not a prude. I'm just like, I feel like I should be informed of these kind of things before we start the show. Right, well, you're informed now, so are you ready? I guess so. So, uh, Walrus, this is your first time at a burlesque show. I've, I've actually been a couple of times before, and I have loved it every time. So I'm, I'm really excited for the performance. Um, but Walrus, you've never experienced a burlesque performance. Well, how are you feeling right now? Well, I think I think it's exciting. Should I should I be nervous or something? You make it feel like I should be very nervous. I'm I'm excited. I think it will be fun. It's it will something be something that you probably won't have seen or experienced yes. before. Oh, they're starting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what what's going on over here? Uh, we we heard some introduction to some show going on. There's Hold up, Walrus. I've got these two lovely ladies sitting here, Lolita Vavum and the Diamond Dahlia, to give you a bit more of an idea about what burlesque actually is. I'm Lolita Babu. Uh, I'm a burlesque performer. I've been performing for two years. Um, the first exposure I had to burlesque was at a super young age, actually through the musical Gypsy, which a lot of girls I'm sure have seen, but it's about a really quite famous historic burlesque performer from the 40s. So um, I'm the Diamond Dahlia. I've been performing burlesque for nine years now. But there are very different versions that started depending on kind of where you're coming from. Um, the American version of burlesque compared to the UK version of burlesque back in like you know, 1920s was very different. Uh, so there were there were ladies on stage. They were dancing, taking their clothes off. There was a, a bunny in a blue lycra suit. I feel I feel you're trying to tell me something about dancing and performance, but I'm not totally getting it at the moment. What I'm going to do for you is I'm going to present this world of burlesque to you in three acts. That was just the prologue. That was just an introduction. Act one is ooh la la. What on earth is burlesque? My name is LaViola Vixen. I'm a blessed dancer from Australia. I've lived in Berlin for four and a half years now and we're doing the interview today in Friedrichshain at the Shimmy Shake School. Um, yeah, in the Boogaloo studio. 
Yeah, today we're doing like a special pin-up Christmas routine for our end of year show next week. So I've just been teaching the girls a little choreography that has, well, um, you know, tinsel and we're dressed as reindeers and we're doing <laughs> a really silly little striptease, yeah. So, yeah, I would even say 90% of the girls I get really just come for a hobby. And you get everyone coming, really, you know, shy girls and housewives and older ladies and people that just don't have, you know, this kind of little feminine element in their life. We get a lot of boys that need that as well. And then <laughs> and then um, there's this small portion who come that are really driven and directed towards performing. All right. Um, so you, you, you can teach burlesque. You, you can learn burlesque at her school at, in Friedrichshain. But I, I feel that there is way more history to it. Every time I look at these ladies on stage, they always have these sort of classic historical costumes on. What, what is that all about? They say the first burlesque performance was the dancer Salome, the dancer who performed Salome in the opera. And she did the dance The Seven Veils. And the production of that in New York in 1907 was the very risque version that we really considered to be like the first recorded burlesque. It, the whole idea of, of women on stage taking their clothes off, to me, is, I believe, a little bit older than 1907. I mean, I believe they're already having these shows where women showed a little bit of their of their ankles and the crowds go wild. And I, I have this idea that it's kind of a development from that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then by the late 1800s, you've got women doing all sorts of things, not just showing their, not just showing their ankles, but also showing other parts of themselves as well, okay? Arms, ears... Feet, <laughs> toes. Then there's the golden age of burlesque. It kind of grew from there. And from the 20s to 50s, there was a period, particularly in America, where it went gangbusters and every you know, town had burlesque clubs. And yeah, they'd go and see you know, titty shows. Yeah, and, and, and that, that is kind of what I, when you said burlesque, that is what, in my mind, went up. This idea of either the 1920s or the 1950s. Um, but what I don't totally get is is why they're still doing that. I mean, isn't there some sort of evolvement from that? Like a, a, a more sexy kind of strip tease or some modern kind of stripping? Yeah, of course. But I don't think it's quite what you're expecting it to be. And then it re-emerged, I guess, in the 70s with all of this, like, what we kind of think about now as, like, sleazy strip clubs. Like, um, polyester G-strings and <laughs> grind bars. Ah, yeah, that happened. Strip clubs. So, I, I've seen those. I mean, I've seen my fair share of mafia movies. Yeah, so that was basically what women taking their clothes off meant it was like going to a strip bar and basically seeing you know fake tits and an ass that was basically completely for the pleasure of of men mostly sleazy maybe perhaps middle-aged balding ugh, gross men but in terms of involvement the 1970s and 80s is pretty much as far as we could take it i mean there was a uh, there weren't any more pieces of clothes to take off there weren't any other recesses of the female body to explore all right and then we had 
the 1990s. So I guess there was a period where women wanted to bring back this element of this beautiful, pretty feminine sexuality back into stripping. There are so many girls that did that that probably loved also doing the sleazy bars. And so many of us that work as blessed dancers still call ourselves strippers. And not so much here, but a lot of places girls also work in strip bars and do burlesque even. So I'm not really fond of like drawing this big distinction and saying this is this and that is that because they really merged into each other. But but these women, they, they do take their clothes off on stage. Don't they feel sort of... I don't know, like objectified? I mean, standing there with all their clothes off, having people look at them? I just think it's kind of like this last part of the feminist movement where we're allowed to be equal in so many ways. We've got a long way to go. But we have had this big fight. We can wear the same clothes. We can have the same jobs. We can, you know, make our own decisions. But to be able to be a beautiful woman and go out and be like, yeah, I'm sexy and I'm naked. And it's not for you. Like, <laughs> I think it's a really important part of the whole feminist movement to get to a point where we're allowed to own our own sexuality as well. And if we want to own our sexuality, sexuality by dressing up in pink clothes and feathers and eyelashes and glitter and being like, this is how I feel pretty and sexy, then we should be able to, yeah? All right, Otter, thank you for that. That was cool. Viola Vixen, what a lady. Um, but is that all you got for me? In Act Two, I present to you the chiseled, the splendid, the candid, the wild, the quite frankly terrifying at times Julietta Ladol. Here to spice things up a bit. Um, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, yeah, around two weeks ago, I was um, performing here in Berlin at Basi Club. Julieta is from Berlin and has been performing all over the world in Dubai, Shanghai and Europe for over 10 years now. Almost naked. And then instead of, for example, the stockings, instead of attaching them with a garter belt, I stapled the stockings to my skin. Wow. Um, wh- what is this? And so as a finale, the last time when I did the last time, I do this show since two, three years, but when I did it the last time, I was thinking it would be a nice touch to be blindfolded with like a lacy blindfold. So I took some meat, some syringes, some hypodermic needles, and attached the blindfold on my face with those needles. Okay, wow. Um, I, I wasn't really expecting that. So the reason I brought on Julietta in the second act is because she's a very interesting artist who's doing a huge variety of different performances. She's been in the business for quite a few years now and she can shed some light on the various aspects of the burlesque scene in Berlin. Oh, wow. We've got a nail bed right here. You can try it out if you want to. <laughs> Just to describe what you I'm looking at here. Screams. <laughs> Um, so I, in front of me, I'm putting my I'm putting my right foot on top of a nail bed. Um, it's a bed of nails, and <laughs> this is a, one of the performance props. <laughs> and like yeah, a lot of real steel nails, and they're painful. All right, uh, that sounds pretty cool, but I, I still don't know exactly what a nail bed has to do with the art of burlesque. Well, for that, we need to have Julieta explain a bit how she came into burlesque in the first place. Ooh, sometimes I'm asking this myself. <laughs> well, like, I was fascinated with the pinups, like the the strong woman, sexy ladies. <laughs> and and I was collecting those old pinup postcards, and I was like, hmm, 
like I would like to look like this. So I started to style myself a little bit like this. And I was collecting books about those old pinups and in one of those books was a picture of a burlesque dancer. So I started to research the term burlesque. But the traditional bump and grind didn't quite cut it for Julieta Ladol and that's when she started experimenting with her own style. Well, so like when I started performing, I was more inspired by the classic burlesque, by the classic beauties of the 1940s, 1950s. But then I got a little bit bored of it. So I'm mixing burlesque now um, with circus freak show. So I mixed um, the classic burlesque striptease, glamorous, beautiful, sexy teasing, with elements of circus, like circus freak show, for example. I lay on a bed of nails. Um, I hammer nails up my nose. I put skewers to my cheek and knee cheeks and needles, like needles to my face. <laughs> uh, I eat fire. Um, I staple things to myself. I swallow balloons and other objects. <laughs> and, so, and then I combine it with the, yeah, with the art of striptease. So, well, like, I always, I'm always fascinated by contrast. I like when there's a contrast, like the unexpected. It's yeah, you don't expect it. And in burlesque, I think everyone finds like their thing. And with the circus, I found circus rickshaw. I definitely found my thing for mm. sure. I don't know if you maybe heard about it, Cabaret der Namlosen. Um, it's a play. Like it's how oh, it's. Um, it's uh, a wonderful artist that I respect a lot. He's called uh, Lupustra. He is born in South Africa, but then grew up in, uh, in London and now moved to Berlin. And he has this big fascination with Weimar Republic, 1920s. Okay, that sounds fascinating. Weimar, cabaret, everything you actually like really want in a decent podcast on burlesque in Berlin. Shame you didn't do an interview with this guy, but... Uh... Who do you think I am? Of course I tracked him down. Of course I did an interview with him. So I present to you in the thrilling conclusion to our podcast on burlesque, Act 3, with La Pustre, who is going to tell us all about Cabaret, Der Namenlosen, and its connection to Weimar Berlin. Okay. Would you terribly mind if I smoked? So yeah, a cigarette will probably help me a bit. So. I haven't seen those in years. <laughs> Brilliant. Sobranis, yes. Yeah. They're too pretty, they like art. Um, okay, so my name is uh, Lepustra. Um, I moved to Berlin last April. So many outlanders like myself, they come to Berlin and they all have a fascination with this period and we call it the Weimar um, Berlin period or whatever. But actually Germans don't call it that. They call it the Golden Twenty. So the whole Weimar thing is a much more international thing that we seem to have in our heads. Back in the Weimar days, there was a show called Cabaret de Namenlosen, the cabaret for people without names. The Cabaret de Namenlosen was a cabaret where they sort of turned the concept on its head in a bit, where they didn't invite people to the stage who could actually perform. They, they invited the worst performers they could possibly find. And the idea was that the audience laugh at them rather than with them. And uh, I found out a bit to my disappointment that the original Cabaret de Normalosen was a form of the X Factor. It was a talent show as such. It, was, it wasn't very nice. Um, I didn't want to repeat that. I, I like the title as such. And um, I um, produced a little incarnation of it, a version of it in London. And then I just thought, okay, well, why not bring this show to Berlin where it started because this cabaret did exist here. Yeah? Why not do it here? And then I met with Elsa, 
she immediately liked the idea. I pitched her this darker version of this period, but much more authentic and using nudity and original music and something that I've not seen before in sort of 20s themed cabarets or shows. It so this this almost sounds like theatre. It is. It's scripted, it's choreographed, but at the same time it has the rawness of a cabaret. It has a script and the choreography of a theatre piece. It has the craziness of a pantomime, and it has the setting of a salon. So the audience is part of the show. It's this crazy paradigm between like this political situation of complete and utter chaos, and and still people are able to 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 experiment and to and to dance and to and to be who they want to be and to and to try their best to discover the boundaries of society, push against those boundaries and see what lies beyond those boundaries. Freedom. So it must have been such an exhilarating time for people just to express themselves in any way they wanted. Um, and they indulged in so much. There was so much drugs available. And yes, it, it, it must have been absolutely mind-blowing because before this period everything was so um yeah rigid and 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 especially for women who can suddenly cut their hair and throw away the corsets and dance all night and they're independent and they're smoking and they can have lovers and they don't have to apologize for wanting sex and i'm hitting the mic again <laughs> and um i know this i think that that's why we are so we kind of want to be there. We want to experience that a bit. And when you think about it, you just go, oh, wow, it must have been amazing. And um, I think characters like Anita Berber, who's very interesting, um, she was, again, very ahead of her time. She died very young. She had uh, numerous drug addictions, which was which is well documented. Um, but she's like the sort of poster child almost for this period, especially for women. I mean, even the prostitutes were copying her style. She was so um, alive and difficult and, yeah, bigger than life. And she really set the trends. And, well, Misha Spoliansky wrote, um, wrote Das Lila Lied. Um, the, he wrote the music and he wrote it under another name, I think it was called Arno Billing, Billing I think. Um, and they dedicated to dedicated it to um, Magnus Hirschfeld, who was a very famous sexologist at the time, who was fighting for gay rights and had a sex, sexual institute. I'm actually reading up, up, up on him at the moment. So anyway, so this song was inspired um, by this um, silent film and um, this song basically the la it's called the lavender song in english it's believed to be the first gay anthem it was written in 1920 so it's also the oldest song that we do sing in the show and it's funny the lyrics even now is relevant it's basically about fighting for your rights being yourself i think it not it doesn't only apply to to the um the, the gay lesbian community, but just everyone in general, just to stay true to yourself and um, yeah, fight for something that you believe in because we will always be met with opposition and I think that's gonna be something that will be relevant in 20 years and 50 years, this song, I believe. So it's a really beautiful song. 
So I would like to say a massive thank you to all of the performers who contributed to tonight's show. La Viola Vixen, The Blue Bunny, Lolita Favoum, Diamond Dahlia, Julieta Ladol, and La Poustre. I highly recommend going and checking out Cabaret de Namenlosen, the show from La Poustre. Uh, it's playing in February in Berlin. Uh, you can find all of the information for that show in the links below in the show notes, okay? As well as that, if you fancy going and joining a class with La Viola Vixen, then head to the Shimmy Shake website and go check out what you can do at the Boogaloo Studio in Friedrichshain, okay? Again, links are in the show notes. Also a massive thanks for Denis Bouters, the creator of our amazing theme song. And of course to Isabel Merignac, who provided us with the audio recordings of the graduation show of the Shimmy Shake School. Thank you so much. From the Fiat 1000 Hats headquarters in Berlin, this was the Christmas special of Walrus and the Bear. We're going to be back next year with some more fantastic episodes about this wonderful city, Berlin. If you like the show, you can always rate us on iTunes. Give us a good rating. I mean, it's so helpful for us to get more up in the iTunes charts. It will really help for other people to find the show. Um, Also, like us on Facebook. I mean, we have a Facebook page. You can just click on there. You can see all the background stories. We have an Instagram account, a Twitter page. I mean, we have all that kind of craziness, social craziness, where you can subscribe to. Send us an email. Why not? I mean, we like getting emails. But before we sign off, we have a special Christmas announcement from Otter herself. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We, we wish, wish you a Merry Christmas, Christmas and a Happy New Year. You have to say thank you to Mark Shielders. Did I meet Mark Shielders? Could be. No, I don't think you have. Is there anyone you're forgetting now? Who did we speak to? Mark Shielders? No, but he's... A 4000 Hertz Production 2016.